Smith will keep it. He dives for the end zone. He's got a touchdown. Kansas City in one of the greatest comebacks in Chiefs kingdom history. It's time. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Car out of the shotgun. Looks left. Throws a lob for Michael Crowtree. He caught it. He caught it. He caught it. The Raiders have the lead. 35 34. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Sweet revenge for Michael Crabtree. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. I needed that. Starting to feel like football now. That was a good start. That was a good start. We're going to finish for you, all right? The doctor is now in. Day football Friday, live at the Westgate Las Vegas, our Friday home, and it's been our Monday home for the past couple Mondays. NCAA College Football Championship game, of course, last Monday and the Monday before that. Bowl games, New Year's Day, but uh, we are back here on our Fridays. We get ready for the opening round of the NFL playoffs. We will diagnose all of the matchups for you, six of them in all. Covering three days, two games, what, actually, what, yeah, two games Saturday, three on Sunday, and of course, we have a Monday night football game as well, too. T.C. Martin, Marco D'Angelo, wagertalk.com in the house. Marco, what's happening, brother? Playoffs. Playoffs. That's right. (laughs) It is playoffs. You know, and I can't do the super wild card weekend. I had problems with the wild card weekend, but the super wild card weekend sounds too juvenile for me. Uh, This is the opening round of the playoffs, especially now that we only have, you know, one uh, by the team with the best record of each conference. Okay. We got division winners playing. This is the opening round of the playoffs. Can I get a witness here? You can't, but uh, let's go back to super wild card. Does the NFL allow you to use the word super in wild card weekend? You're not allowed to use it later. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. And what makes it super? I mean, was, what, was the original wild card weekend really that good? So, what, we add a team from six to seven and then we make the number two seed play? Does that now make it super? I guess that's what does because now you do have some lopsided games that the wild card round used to be, you know, you never saw big spreads because it was all the wild card teams. Yep. <laughs> right. Exactly. Now you got the you know, second best team playing this weekend. And I got a stat for you I'll share later. Okay. So, and I'll, I'll give you this stat here. So I know uh, since we went to this format the last couple of years that uh, we, the, we've had blowouts in four of the last six games we had last year. We had four out of the six opening weekend games. Four of them were double-digit victories. And favorites have done pretty well. And I know that, I don't know what the exact number is, maybe you do, but uh, double-digit favorites uh, have a tremendous record against the number in this round. All right, I'll share the stat oh, with you. <laughs> that's, the, that's the one well, that's for you. Well, hit the breaking news, now, Chuck. Well, I mean, as I say, why hesitate? Participate, Marco. Well, I got to give uh, credit for this one. My stat guy okay. from Wager Talk, uh, Ralph Michaels, who been on your show before. Yes. Went into the database, double-digit favorites, 11 straight wins in the playoffs. <laughs> 11 straight. So if you're laying 10 or more, you can play it with confidence. I wonder if that comes into play, too, or what that is, if it's a 9 and 9.5, or like with the Bengals, Baltimore, where we have like an 8.5 and, and could climb up to 9. Yeah. And then there's some guys that like to look at what the opening number was and then what it closed at, because in the game that you just mentioned, mm-hmm. we have that with the news of the Miami Dolphins and their quarterback situation that they have. That line climbed all week and now is, you know, clearly in double digits. Three of the six games, we've had significant line movement. You've got the games you're talking about with Cincinnati and Baltimore, obviously because of the quarterback situation with the Ravens. That thing opened six and a half. You know, now we're at eight and a half with that game. The other one is just skyrocketed Buffalo against uh, uh, Miami, where we're now seeing 13 and a halves on the board. Opening number for that game was. For the for Buffalo? Buffalo game? It was seven. It was seven. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever seen such a thing in an no, opening round like that? It, and again, you know, you got teams that in Miami, you know, they backed their way into the playoffs. They got third string quarterback. They got the win barely on Sunday, uh, which knocked my Steelers out. Uh, 
would you rather? Who would you rather seen in there? Would you have seen the surging Steelers at the end of the season, you know, with their rookie quarterback in that defense, or Miami that has just been a total? It's a mash unit as far as injuries go. How competitive are they going to be? For me, no question. I mean, I was banging on that Steelers bandwagon the last couple weeks. Again, when they beat Baltimore, they came from behind. And then, you know, last week, no, I, I want to see Pittsburgh because they were starting to get more healthy than they have been at any point uh, this year. And, again, I think Najee Harris really kind of turned it up a notch over the last four or five weeks of the regular season. I want to see Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh will be in games. Pittsburgh doesn't get blown out. And, like I've said before, I was never a Kenny Pickett fan, even when he was at Pitt and earlier on. And, again, I thought, okay, yeah, I don't think this guy is going to – be anything at least for a while but he got better uh, the more starts that he got and uh, you know one of the reasons why I played the Steelers a couple weeks ago when they played Baltimore was because of Kenny Pickett I liked him better than than Huntley for Baltimore so yeah I was hoping I was rooting you know for Pittsburgh to get in I don't want to see Miami I mean Miami got a courtesy victory last week against the Jets but before that they lost five in a row so okay they lost five of the last six but I mean they weren't very good in that game as well and then now we got Skylar Thompson's quarterback. It's one and done. To me, they have no shot. Baltimore has no shot. And I'm not saying against the number, but just in general, neither one of those teams are going to advance. So I don't want to see them. No, it's it, the question's going to be, though, is how much do the teams win by? And they, they've really, you know, the Buffalo game almost overreaction uh, in the adjustment. I know Miami's bad, but this is a big number. And Buffalo, unfortunately, has several times this year has let teams hang around in games that they should not be in. You know, whether it be, you know, Josh Allen making, you know, not that he makes that many of them, but he, every once in a while he'll throw that one where he tries to force it in, it gets picked off, kills the drive, uh, and they just don't have that, you know, that killer instinct that some of the other teams, you know, have. Now, the 49ers, they're a totally different story. They, you know, they don't let up. You know, I thought a couple times I thought was a spot to step in front of them late in the season flat spot just you know need to win get out they don't have you know but yet they kept the pedal to the metal maybe he still remembers uh, when Shanahan was in Atlanta for that Super Bowl yeah. uh, that, that probably leaves a lasting scar on you <laughs> when you let a team you stop trying hmm. uh, so six games like I said the next three days looking forward to, I actually do like the format because the more teams and the more games that we have it's great and again as long as we've got action to bet on and we get a chance to see like the San Francisco 49ers for an extra week and the Buffalo Bills for an extra week, hey, sign me up. I'm all good for this. And again, I like the way the games are spread out. Saturday, we don't start until 1.30 p.m. here uh, on the West Coast Pacific time with uh, Seattle and San Francisco. And then you've got a, a nighttime game, kind of very similar to what we had last Saturday when we had Jacksonville and Tennessee. Really, we almost got a mirror image with the same thing this week with the Chargers against Jacksonville. So that's going to be your your situation for Saturday. And then, you know, Sunday we get to our normal routine where we have a 10 o'clock game with Miami and Buffalo, a 1.30 game with the Giants and, and the Vikings, and then Sunday night football with Baltimore and Cincinnati. And then, kind of unusual, we've got Monday night football back again after a, a week off uh, with Dallas and Tampa Bay. So I like the way it's structured. More games are better. Uh, good teams that are playing. The only thing we're we're missing this week are the, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, we're we're missing them, and the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll get a chance to see them next week. But uh, so I do I do like it from that aspect. But yes, it does have the propensity to have blowouts. And then, of course, ironically enough, uh, the larger spreads happen to have uh, you know quarterbacks that you know are third stringers. Yeah, a couple things that you know you've got to look at. Philadelphia, if there's one team in this playoff pitcher that definitely needed a bye week, that's them. They get give them a chance to get Jalen Hurts more, you know, healthier. He did play last week, but you know, it was reduced role. You know, he didn't they didn't want to get him hurt, but they needed to get that win to secure home field. Um I as a fan, as a betting fan, I love the Monday night game. I feel bad for the team that plays on Monday night and advances because they're 
they're at a disadvantage, in my opinion, for next week. As far as handicapping goes this week, TC, you got a wrinkle in all six games. I don't know that I've remembered an entire weekend playoff schedule where all six games the teams had met already at least once. Never seen that. And this is total rematch weekend here. And the thing about it is you've got several that are divisional opponents. So this will be the third time that San Francisco and Seattle have faced each other. Third time that Baltimore and Seattle are, are going, I mean, rather Baltimore and Cincinnati are going at it. And then, uh, of, of course, you also have Miami and Buffalo. Uh, that'll be the third meeting. And then we get Scott, what's the, the freak situation of that of, oh, okay, well, the Chargers in Jacksonville played once earlier this season. So did the Giants and the Vikings. Oh, and by the way, uh, opening weekend, remember that? We had Dallas and, and Tampa Bay. So a lot of intrigue here. Speaking of that, Marco, how much do you factor into the rematches or the previous game or games when you're handicapping for the playoff weekend here? Well, first thing I'll say, there's the urban myth out there that it, and they do it in college basketball too, when teams meet in the conference tournament for the third time. Oh, it's so hard to beat a team three times in one year. Okay. That's the urban myth. I don't have the exact stat for you, but I know that's bogus. The Teams win the third game as many times as they, you know. To go along with the urban myth that, oh, well, the West Coast team travels to the East Coast <laughs> right, and play yes. that, that you know, 10 o'clock in the morning game that's 1 o'clock on yeah. the East Coast. We hear that, and that's out the window. Right. right. But it sounds good to, for talking heads on TV that right. really don't bet. That's how you know somebody doesn't bet. Right. When somebody brings that up, you're listening to a show, you know that guy's never made a bet in his life. Right. Okay? <laughs> right? Yep. Uh, because and there's you, a lot of those out there. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so that's one pet peeve. But looking at it, I want to go back and see if there was anything different from then to now. Check out the injuries. Were maybe somebody playing, coming off a big game the week before, and it was a flat spot for them in that when they met the first time. Um, or is it, you know, look at it this way. If, like, the Steelers, for an example, if they would have made the playoffs, if you would have looked at the Steelers with any game, if it was a rematch when TJ, you know, Watt was not on the field, right? it's a different story than when he is. Uh, so those are the kind of things that you have to look at. But, yes, Vegas is going to make you pay the price for the team that dominated both games. Mm -hmm. There's no question about that. And and this will be a great question for, you know, when Jay's on later, when you are the team that got beat, and I always say it's harder for the team that won preparing a game plan because everything you did worked. You won the game. What do you want to tinker with? The advantage that the teams have that lost is we get to go back to the drawing board and figure something else out. So you might have a little bit of a, of a different edge in the first quarter or first half because you're coming with a different game plan that the that the other team's not thinking you're going to do. But I take each game on its own merit like I do with anything. And you know, I always you know, give you stats and trends. They're good as a guide. They're not the gospel. Right. You know, if it supports what you already like, that's great. But I'm not going to take a play just because you know of a particular trend. And the thing about it is with these rematches, obviously the divisional rematches that you have with Seattle and San Francisco, Miami, Buffalo, and Cincinnati and Baltimore, they have, we have more recent activity or more recent games to, to handicap from those. You go back to, like I mentioned, Tampa Bay and Dallas. That was opening weekend. You look at the Jacksonville um, game against the Chargers. I believe that was like September the 25th, right? Third, third week. Yeah, there you go. So uh, you, got, you got to go way back. And probably the, the one that you can probably look at is the Vikings and the Giants because that was on Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. So that w wasn't too far back in the rearview mirror. But yeah, um, it's like I said, there, there's a lot here to handicap. And I don't know for you how difficult it was when you're coming up with your best bets, which we will obviously have uh, like we do uh, later on in the show, was it easier for you this week? Because with the limited number of games and so many rematches and looking at the familiarity uh, aspect, or is it a little bit tougher because, hey, it is the playoffs? Yes and no. And here's what I'm going to say to you. Because in, you do it, and we're going to talk about every game today. So when you do what we do in media and so forth, everybody wants to hear an opinion on every game. Mm -hmm. 
all of my opinions are not best bets, okay? I am not going to bet all six games on this week's card. I'm going to bet the two or three that I feel have the best percentage uh, positive EV for me. Uh, but because of the shows, we do have to render, you sure. know, opinions on everything. So, and I'll say that when I'm breaking down the game. I, you know, I don't. Here's an opinion, and then you know, here's the best bet. Yeah, yeah. it is look. But two examples. The first meeting between Jacksonville and the Chargers, both teams are not what they are now. Okay, Trevor Lawrence was still learning the new system with the new head coach, and the game for Justin Herbert, he was hurt in that game. He really shouldn't have played in that game. He had banged up ribs, and they were coming off that Thursday night game against Kansas City. They're you know, their biggest rival in the in the division. So don't even look at that game, okay, to try to take something out of that because Jacksonville went there and smacked them around. Chargers are much better now than they were then, but so is Jacksonville. Um, and when we talk about that game, I feel Jacksonville already played a playoff game. Last week was a playoff game, and I know there were a lot of people on Jacksonville last week. I wasn't one of them because I did look at it as a first playoff game, and that's another stat and angle that you can use. First-year quarterbacks, first playoff game, they generally don't fare well. Now, in this one, you have both that are technically their first uh, playoff game, but that was a playoff atmosphere last week in Jacksonville. Win. You go, lose, you don't mm. against the team you're, you know, you're fighting in a division. So I think that gives Jacksonville a big edge coming into this week. Go to San Francisco first meeting. That was Brock Purdy's second start. It was on the road, his first road start. And, oh, you want to make it a little bit more difficult? It was a short week. It was a Thursday. Uh-huh. Okay? And I remember all those things vividly from the season because for all those reasons that I said it, I took a shot with Seattle, thinking, you know, okay, they got the first game, the injured player theory, they took care of Tampa Bay, and we know Tampa Bay wasn't that good, but now they're playing Seattle. They only scored 21 points in that game. Seven on the opening drive, scripted plays, a scoop and almost score that set them up inside the five in the last 50 seconds of the first half, and then the first drive in the third quarter. So they didn't overwhelm Seattle in that game. But since that game, Seattle's continued to go backwards, where the San Francisco 49ers are going forward, getting more confidence in opening up the playbook more for you know Brock Purdy. Mm-hmm. Of the six games, I feel pretty good of probably about four of them. The two that I look at that I don't have a good handle on, the Vikings and the Giants, and the reason being that both are schizo. <laughs> both have huge quarterback issues. And for the Viking side, they've got you know plenty of defensive liability as well, too. Uh, you go back to that game, Christmas Eve, it was a very closely fought game, 27-24. And that was the, the game that the Vikings won on, what, a 60-yard field goal? 61. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so... Uh, that is, for me, a tough game to handicap. And then you go to Monday night, and you've got Tampa Bay and Dallas, two teams, again, schizo, in my opinion. We saw what Dallas did last week in a game where actually they weren't mailing it in. They were actually you know, trying to win, but the bottom line is Washington was ready. Washington had nothing to play for, but they were like the Detroit Lions last week. They said, you know what? We want to beat these guys. We're tired of losing to these guys. And they're going to come into our house. We're going to give it to them. And they thoroughly dominated the Cowboys. Dak Prescott was not good last Sunday. He hasn't been good for the better part of the last six, seven weeks of the season. And for me, it is a tough game to handicap because you've got two very good defenses, but two inconsistent offenses. And with Tom Brady... We're hearing all the talk this week about, oh, Tom Brady at home, Tom Brady in the playoffs, could be his last game in Tampa Bay, all this other kind of stuff. Hey, the bottom line is Tampa Bay, is they are a team that struggles mightily when they have the football, and they have had so many last-minute you know minute, uh, wins coming to the tail end of the game going to overtime or fourth quarter, and Brady has bailed them out. But this is a team that seems like they have problems scoring. So I don't know about you uh, with those two games, 
uh, I'm going to end up probably passing on both, even though I'd like to make an opinion, you know, on, on Tampa Bay and take a shot. Because I'm tired of seeing Mike McCarthy, and I want I want this to be the end of him in that era, and, <laughs> and move on. Especially considering what Jerry Jones said earlier in the week, saying, "Oh yeah, no, I got I got full faith in Mike McCarthy and his staff." Jerry, did you watch the game last weekend? Have you been watching your quarterback? How bad he's been. The problem is Jerry knows he's not going to be able to. You know, the number of coaches that would be willing to take the job there. You're not going to get top-notch coaches simply because he has to be involved. He can't just he can't let the people do their job, and you need somebody that is willing to be a puppet and not you know. That's why you know the name that floats around in every coaching opening right now is Sean Payton. I just can't see Sean Payton going to that situation. No. no. And it, remember how strange it was that we thought that Bill Parcells would be the head coach of the Cowboys and he took the job and he just figured, okay, these guys are going to you know, butt heads, especially considering what happened with Jimmy Johnson and Jerry Jones, who basically were Longtime friends, yep. college, you know, teammates, roommates, and friends going way, way back. And we saw how that deteriorated. And then, you know, Parcells comes in, but you never really see Jerry Jones go for that, you know, for the most part. Not the hot offensive coordinator, or whatever. Now, Jason Garrett was a stretch. To me, he was like a Cliff Kingsbury. Really didn't, it didn't deserve it. But, you know, Garrett was family. Garrett was a backup quarterback for that franchise for so many years. So Jerry Jones felt like, okay, let's give, you know, let's give the guy a shot. Same thing as what we've seen with Ursay doing in Indianapolis yeah. with Jeff Saturday. And, you know, owners really need to learn that you just cannot rely on relationships with someone that, hey, was a great player or, you know, Jason Garrett's uh, case, just, you know, kind of a backup player. But, you know, Jeff Saturday, hey, he was, you know, he was one of the best offensive linemen the Colts have probably ever had. Uh, long, long career there. And, hey, this guy is family. Doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be a very good head coach. And that was Cliff Kingsbury's death in Arizona. You know why he was hired by Michael Bidwell? Because of his relationship with Kyler Murray. Right. You, you can't hire coaches for that. Bottom line is you can coach or you can't coach. And and we all knew that Kingsbury was going to get the axe, you know, on Monday, and he did, deservedly so. But this is a guy that got fired from Texas Tech, too. His alma mater, he got fired. He wasn't that good of a college coach. And then it's like, wait a minute, Kyler Murray, oh, there's a connection there. That'll work. H- horrendous coaching move. And again, you, you wasted the last three, four years with that franchise. And the irony of all that is that he got hired because of the connection. At the, at the yeah. end, there was a disconnect between right. Kingsbury and right. Murray. That was, you know, a lot of the stuff that was going on last year where is Kyler Murray going to sign? You know, remember in the offseason, he immediately got, you know, on his social media, took took off the Arizona Cardinal, you know, Barnett, which one of my Steelers did that this week too. <laughs> Deontay Johnson did that with his social media, which that's such child. It's, yeah. it, it's so childish. I, I just, I laugh. Are you much of a hard knocks guy? Do you, I have not watched them. No. Okay. Yeah. So I m- must see TV for me and, and going way back to the very, very first one they did going almost 20 years ago, you know, with, with Baltimore and then, you know, we see the different teams, and then HBO comes back this year and does the in-season because they think, hey, this is such a, a hot commodity. That was one of the worst seasons that I've seen of hard knocks. And the in-season stuff has got to be tough. This is the second year they did that. And Arizona being eliminated as early as they were, and they lost yeah. what, their last six games in a row, I, I, I ended up quit watching it. But I was flipping the channels last night, and I said, you know what? I, I gave up like on the two prior episodes, I said, I don't need to see it anymore because it, it was so lopsided and so bad with the injuries and everything is that they start doing too many of these, you know, behind the scenes stories with the families uh-huh. and this and that, because they couldn't show you anything out of practice anymore because <laughs> the players weren't practicing. Yeah. They were either injured or they weren't motivated. So I said, okay, I'm going to watch the final one, which was last night. And plus, I wanted to say, okay, are they going to show the conversation between Bidwell and Kingsbury that he gets fired? Of course, they're not. But he just knew that it was happening. And the 
the episode just moved so slow and it was just, it was torture. I think HBO has got to look at this thing and say enough of the in-season stuff because it was brutal to watch. And number one, who wants to watch the Cardinals? And then when a team is out of it, no one's watching that. The last few weeks, nobody. Obviously, I I don't watch series. Has there been a team that's had a good year that was picked for hard knocks. If you go back to the beginning, you know, when they, when, you know, the original hard knocks is, and they still do it at the beginning of the season, training camp and that sort of thing. Um, I, I can't recall. I mean, I think you probably have to go back to me that first year, the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, they did the Ravens twice. They did the Cowboys, uh, who had, I think were okay, but for the most part, no. I mean, then you have the Lions, you had the Bengals when they weren't very good. Uh, the list kind of just goes on and on and on. And what's funny about that, now I remember when I was in Green Bay that they had called um, the Packers and they said, hey, we would love to do with you guys. And uh, Ted Thompson, who was the GM at that time, of course, Ted just squashed everything. He goes, no, we're not going to have, have these cameras in her because uh, Ted, how twisted he was, he would say, uh, well, no, it's a, every team you've had on, they've had a horrible season. It's a jinx, and they're going to know everything the about yes, yeah, yeah, the Madden, Exactly. Yeah. The same type of thing. But the bottom line is what they didn't want in Green Bay, which what a lot of teams don't want, it's a media circus. Right. It, it just turns into a circus, and you got, you know, all the – it just promotes the individualism, too. I mean, they've got, you know, five or six guys mic'd up every game, you know, players as well as coaches, and then practices and that sort of thing. And, yeah, even though HBO comes in and they say, okay – we're going to hide our cameras. We're going to do all this kind of stuff. And it's pretty interesting the way they do it. And they say, but we're going to let you do your thing. But in the contract, it says, you have to let us, if you agree to this, you have to let us film everything. Okay. Even, you know, the, even you're going to have these meetings, these cuts and this and that. And so cameras are everywhere. And so that's why you see the upper echelon teams decline. And that's why it's, it's kind of getting, it's kind of run its course, I think. But the in-season thing it's it, again. It's just typical. It's no different than the USFL and the XSFL. Oh, hey, we got football. Let's let's do it year round. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, when the NFL's over, people aren't watching that garbage. No, it, the quality's not good. You don't have the familiarity with your with the teams. It's all that sort of thing. It's like okay, enough's enough. You know, a lot of times you got to leave the audience or the crowd, you know, wanting a little bit more and just. Quit diluting the product. And that's exactly, I think, hopefully, which HBO learns about this in-season thing with the Arizona Cardinals. The NFL, though, you got to admit, they are such a media machine that even when the season ends, we're still talking about them. You really only have like a, a one-month window where it's quiet time. You know, So okay. the NBA gets in college basketball, gets their day. But then you have the draft. So, you know, now for uh, three days, they're the main, that's the main topic of everybody because everybody wants to see how their team's going to improve uh, for the following season. And then you have another little month off, and then boom, we're, it's training camp. You're, you're getting close to training camp. And not camp only that, science. but once they instituted the mandatory OTAs, the organized team activities, where you have a couple of those before training camp, that gets everyone's attention as well, too. It's like, okay, these guys, who's going to be in camp? Who's looking good? Oh, now we get to see those draft picks, you know, because that the OTAs happen the week after the draft, and these guys are going to camp without contracts, which is a little crazy and risky, but again, there are all these bonuses, you know, that uh, teams have now instituted like, hey, we'll give you a half a million dollars or a quarter million dollars to come to these OTAs, and they call them now workout bonuses. And you know, some players are still kind of like Aaron Rodgers saying, I "Shine that on, forget that." <laughs> but they they've done everything they can to up these bonuses in the off season just so to they can spend more time and then again make it relevant. But you know, baseball does the same thing. Well, look when baseball does their postseason awards and they spread it out after the World Series. Mm-hmm. So at least you have that and then after that the hot stove league, right? <laughs> Where you were you know, now we're talking about the the winter meetings and now the you know the trades. So look at it seems like there's news with baseball, you know, ever since the World Series ended in the, you know, middle of November, we're still talking about and all of a sudden, oh yeah, pitchers and catchers, you know, reporting about thirty days. Yeah. So it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Marco D'Angelo in the house here today. Uh, Jay Schrader will be joining us. The quarterback is back uh, with us today. Jay's going to wheel on in here, coming off his uh, knee surgery, so we appreciate uh, that today. He will uh, uh, join us at the, uh, the top of the hour. John Murray, the executive director 
of race and sports here at the Superbook. He will join us next hour as well, too. And then Trevor Maddich, of course, will be joining us uh, via the phone because we will have our best bet segment like we do each and every Friday. And uh, the college season now officially over, so we just have our three best NFL plays. So make sure that you stay tuned for that as well, too. And uh, that will be happening next hour as well. But when we come back, Marco and I are going to be breaking down the games all six games. We'll give you opinions. We'll give you thoughts on that. So don't you dare go anywhere. We are live on our Football Friday here at the world-famous sportsbook, the Superbook, inside the Westgate, Las Vegas. The T.C. Martin Show. There's only one thing we know for sure. The Giants of New York took on the Packers of Green Bay. The Dr. T.C. Martin. He was a most ripping victory by kicking an oblong ball made of pigskin to a big H. The doctor is now in. Tomorrow night, we're going to hear this song inside the International Theater here at the Westgate Las Vegas. George Clinton, Parliament, Funkadelic. Looking forward to that tomorrow night here at the International Theater. The concert nearly sold out. You can uh, try to get tickets. Go get your tickets at Ticketmaster.com or come by here to the Westgate Las Vegas. George Clinton, the retirement tour, the farewell tour, once again. Like I told you, I did. I I promoted George going back to 2019, and uh, it was the farewell tour then. But what are we now? 2023. <laughs> keep on, keep it on, George. 81 years old, Marco. Yeah, a lot of these old uh, artists <laughs> they they don't go away. Hey, right, George Strait's been farewell, the final rodeo for I don't know how many <laughs> so, years. When I first moved out here, I took the wife, and he's had at least seven farewell concert since okay let's let's please not confuse george Strait with george Clinton. <laughs> by all means let's do that okay oh <laughs> uh, yeah that's happening tomorrow night and then uh, i know marco you're excited because uh, coming up here next month my guys cool in the gang gonna be here as well too yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna take you up on that one there you go all right can't be it all right uh we've also got motown tickets too if you'd like some motown tickets here at uh, the westgate las vegas uh, it's a great the soul of motown show uh come on by we're here till four o'clock today we've got a pair of motown tickets for you uh it's a fantastic show and you come see that here uh, at uh, the Westgate Las Vegas as well, too. So, all right. All right, we continue on here. Um, hour number one, like we said, uh, Marco D'Angelo in the house with us. Uh, hour two, Jay Schrader, John Murray will be joining us, Trevor Madich by phone, and, of course, our best bets, our three best NFL plays. We'll be giving those to you uh, as well next hour. Remember, go to the website anytime at tcmartinshow.com to uh, check out uh, our latest breakdown on the playoff games and the best bets are up there as well. All right, Marco, it all starts tomorrow at 1.30. I don't know about you, but hey, man, I'm hunkering down. I'm going to have my my margarita cheese dip. I'm going to have, I'm, I'm going to be ready. I'm not leaving. Okay. I'm hunkered in. It's playoff football. You know, the good thing about the Raiders not being involved, don't have to cover the Raiders. Don't have to worry about that. All right. I'm good. I'm Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I'm locked in. I'm ready to go. And it's going to start at 1:30 with Seattle and San Francisco. Again, this is a rematch for the third time. Of course, these are NFC West divisional opponents. It'll be the third time they met. The first go around, uh, San Francisco won uh, 27-7 and then 21-13 when they met uh, in Seattle. You referenced uh, that game. And uh, this really does look like a mismatch considering the 49ers have won 10 in a row and Seattle was uh, on life support to even get in the playoffs. And uh, it uh, had to happen for them last week for them to get that victory last week um, against the Rams. They ended up getting it on an overtime field goal. And then to... uh, uh, again, see the Detroit Lions uh, beat the Green Bay Packers. The problem with Seattle right now is San Francisco's a better team now than they were when they met the last time. Because as we said, that was Purdy's only a second start. I'm looking at the Seattle offense, and I don't know where they're going to get the points. They struggled 19 last week against the Rams in that 
last drive to get them for the tying field goal. I mean, the referees basically carried them down the field. The bogus uh, <laughs> uh, roughing the punter call, which I thought was one of the worst of the season, kept the drive alive. Uh, then you go the week before that, they did score 23 on the Jets. 10 against Kansas City, and Kansas City's not a you know a stout defense by any means. And then 13 that they had the first game against, or the last game against San Francisco. So going to San Francisco to play this game, barring weather conditions, I, I just don't see them being able to match the San Francisco. And when I said the weather conditions, is if San Francisco doesn't score. Because we know Seattle defense is not that good um you know granted last week they held the rams in check but baker's had a couple good games and he's had a couple bad games so he is what he is it's pretty much what his career's been uh up and down i don't see how they stay in this game i agree with you again you say that geno smith has had a fantastic year he's thrown 30 touchdown passes that's fine but i mean again how much do you really trust geno smith i mean especially in a playoff game and especially against the 49ers and i know a lot of people will say well wait a minute seattle's seen that san francisco defense you know you know twice uh so they should be okay well how about the flip side of that san francisco you know, has has seen Seattle twice, and they've been able to do whatever they want against them. And San Francisco is playing some great football right now, the best of anyone. They've won 10 in a row. That's right, 10 games in a row, and they're steamrolling teams. And they're at home, and what I love about Kyle Shanahan and his offensive system is that You've got Debo Samuel, you've got Christian McCaffrey, and they could be anywhere on offense. You place them anywhere. It is impossible to to um, figure out what they're going to do. And I know Pete Carroll gives the 49ers a lot of respect, but it, the, if he thinks you got them figured out, well, good luck on that. I mean, you know Shanahan will have other stuff up his sleeve as well, too. And the Niners are relatively the most healthy they've been all year. I mean, Samuel missed, what, five games? Right. And now he came back last week, which was a great sign because now he, you know, he got a little conditioning, got his legs underneath him and everything, and he was fantastic. And then Christian McCaffrey, since he's become a San Francisco 49er, has been downright fantastic. I don't see anyone slowing them down. And I'll say this, too, about Brock Purdy. I know that a lot of people are thinking, well, okay, this is Brock Purdy, okay? He's a seventh-round pick. Uh, you know, um, this is a guy... The last player, you know, chosen the draft. There's going to be a, a, a point in time when Brock Purdy implodes. We really haven't seen it yet because he's been a very good game manager. He's got so much talent around him, and he's falling right into that system, and he's not trying to do too much. Will that continue as the 49ers advance in the playoffs? And I think that even though this is Brock Purdy's first career start in the playoffs, it couldn't be a better situation for him because it's against Seattle, who is very vulnerable, and he's faced him, like you said, before. So I think this is a great kind of like dip your toes into the water for Brock Purdy. Absolutely. And, and where we might see the problem is if, if San Francisco lines up against a team that can score. Now, granted, their defense is going to you know, keep them in every game, but if he has to trade points with somebody – Will he be able to do that? For Seattle to be successful, they have to run the football. They have run the football well the last three games. However, they're going against one of the best rush defenses in all of football. You, you look at uh, what San Francisco does. They gave up 135 yards on the ground to the Raiders. After that, there's nothing but under 100 yards rushing for all the teams in if you can't rush the football and make Geno Smith have to beat you with the passing game solely becoming one-dimensional, that's when they can pin their ears and you know, bring the heat. And that's where this game could really unravel for Seattle, force a turnover or two. And the beauty about, you know, you don't like, you know, I said double-digit favorites. This isn't quite there. But you got a team that can run the football in the fourth quarter when you're protecting the lead. It's not like a passing team that tries to kill clock. That doesn't work well because they don't do that well. This team runs the football, and they, when they're trying to shorten the game, they are actually can extend their lead. That's what you want when you're laying a favorite. With all that being said, 
do you think that the nine and a half is an inflated number and does it scare you off? It. It's not one of my top plays at this moment, mm-hmm. but there are other ways to to, to play around with, uh, you know, to play with the uh, the San Francisco to bring them down, you know, price range. I can guarantee, and when we talk to John Murray, there's going to be a ton of money line parlays mm-hmm. with San Francisco because when you're building and teasers, a, yeah, yeah. The te- well, at nine and a half, they're they're forcing you to. Use a seven-point teaser, yeah. uh, and and that's why you see a lot of these games that open up at seven and a half and immediately end up being nine. They're what I refer to as teaser blockers because they want to yes. they yeah. want to slow down the advantage players that only play six-point teasers. Mm-hmm. That's what I do. I you know I don't want to play and lay the extra juice there, but I can guarantee you. People will put San Francisco on money line parlays, thinking they're playing bingo and it's a free square. You know, and that's how, that's the logic how you're you're thinking of it. I think that's the first time in the history of this show we've heard the term teaser blocker. And we usually have an, another term that uh, we hear the the term of block or block. <laughs> Of course, I'm not no. going there. <laughs> you see where Nubchuck's mind is yeah. right away. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's, I'm he's, not going. He's, he's on the drum kit right there uh, immediately. Teaser blocker. Yeah. You like that? Okay, Marco. Well, that's good. All right. Uh, Jacksonville hosting the Chargers. And this is another one of those games where we've seen significant line movement in this game, except we've seen it go from Jacksonville being the favorite to the road team, the Chargers, being the favorite. And I thought, Marco, that we may even see this go back in favor of Jacksonville once the news came out today that Chargers wide receiver Mike Williams is out of this game. You know, Mike Williams has missed a lot of time this year. He came back and he played last week, and I know that that Brand Stately, the head coach of the Chargers, got a lot of grief out of this because, as you talked about, that game meant absolutely nothing to the Chargers when they played Denver last week. And Herbert played... Um, you know, just about all their starters played, and Mike Williams got hurt in this game, and now it comes out today that he has a fracture in his back. He's going to miss the next two and possibly three games if the Chargers advance here. So now we have the Chargers at minus two. Uh, I don't know if that line has moved since we've got on the air here today, but I was kind of expecting with all the Jacksonville hype and everything, uh, because remember, Jacksonville opened as a a point-and-a-half favorite, and then everyone was betting the Chargers because Trevor Lawrence, the Jaguars quarterback, showed up on the injury list two days ago with a toe injury. So, interesting. I think this game will continue to have some type of movement one way or the other. It will. In It's which way you, know, you want to look at the first meeting. Everybody's going to look and point out, as I said, Justin Herbert was not healthy in that game. He had rib injury. Uh, you could tell by his throws. He, you know, he he was grimacing after every throw. He shouldn't have been on the field. They had offensive line issues. Um, and anybody that bet last week, that bet Jacksonville and lost, they have short-term memory. They just remember what's the last thing they saw. And Jacksonville did not look good in winning last week, but. TC, I always like taking teams like that because they played a bad game last week but found a way to advance. So now they're playing with house money, okay? Tennessee deserved to win the game last week. It was a fluke play, that turnover late in the fourth quarter that ended up in a scoop and score for uh, Jacksonville. I like them this week. I think that, you know, and I don't want to belabor the point, they already played a playoff game. That's huge. Um and I don't trust this uh, Charger defense. People have said, you know, Bosa came back and the defense player. Look at who they played down the stretch. There were no offensive juggernauts that they faced there. Okay, Denver put up 31 points last week on them. That's like a three-game total for, for Denver, the way that offense struggled this year. Um, they did hold the Rams to 10. But if you remember, that was the week after the Rams had that big output on you know, Christmas Day uh, with the Baker uh, Mayfield going nuts. You know, and they were flat last week. The offense couldn't move when they played that. And they played Indianapolis. Do we have to talk about how bad Indianapolis was this year? So I'm not sold that the Chargers have fixed that defense. I think you're going to get a shootout. I think both teams are going to score in this game. I like Jacksonville, and I also like the over in the game. I think it's kind of correlated parlay there. 
I th in it's a preview. This could be what we see the two gunslingers. Remember when Brady and Mahomes, that was the, the big matchup for how long? And everybody said, oh, it's the old goat passing the torch to the new goat. Well, these could be the two next generation goats in the, the AFC quarterback wise. I agree. And we go back to that game. Believe going back to week four, it was it was thirty-eight to ten, where uh, Jacksonville just crushed uh, the Chargers on the road. But again, that I, I think that's one game that you can just throw out. Okay, mm -hmm. and we were talking about handicap in the previous matchups in these other games. This one, throw it out, thirty-eight to ten. Uh, game was close basically for the first half, but the Chargers were banged up. Um, you saw very little of Austin Eckler in that game. Same thing with Mike Williams. Uh, the Chargers were really banged up in, in this game, and Trevor Lawrence found a nice little rhythm. Again, the Chargers were not the same team then that they are now. The Chargers are one of those teams that got healthier as uh, the season started to progress, and uh, this team has played some very good football. I threw out the last week's game because, again, it didn't mean anything, but you know they, they, they played their starters. That's what he elected to do. Brandon Staley scares the heck out of me because this is a guy that will go for it any time on fourth down, and at some point in time, he will cost this team. But for me, when I look at Trevor Lawrence versus Justin Herbert, even though uh, Lawrence is getting better and better, and I've been on the Jaguars a couple times over the last few weeks, I will take Herbert over Lawrence. I will take the Chargers defense over Jacksonville. Uh, Jacksonville is brutal off of getting off the field. And so I, I would just you know, warn people to like Jacksonville in this game. Uh, they are 29th in the league defensively on third down conversions. You know, that is a stat that I look very hard at because it is meaningful. When you have these anywhere from, you know, third and four to, to third and sixes, third and nine, I mean, it is huge. And look at the percentages there. And Jacksonville is a team that just gives up way too many first downs on third and downs, especially on third and long. Uh, their pass defense is not good at all. You look at the flip side of that, the Chargers are eighth best in converting on third down at 44%. Think about that. 44%. That is pretty Pretty darn good, okay? I don't put the revenge factor much into this game, but I really do look at the way the Chargers close the season throughout the last game. That'd be four out of the last five, but they won four in a row prior to that. I can see why this number moved in favor of the Chargers. I think, Marco, they are the better football team. Jacksonville is playing great football. They're at home, but... As you, you know, we talked about when we handicapped this game last week, you know, I believe you had Tennessee, right? I did. Okay, you had Tennessee. Now, this week you want to go with Jacksonville. I had Jacksonville in that game. Luckily, I, I, got, him on, I got home on a money line, you know, with them. But it was scary. You're right. Uh, they were thoroughly outplayed. And I think for a team to basically escape a lesser team um, last week compared to who they're facing this week, to me, I usually go against that team the following week. Okay, they got the victory, but I did not like what I saw over the 60 minutes with the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's why I am leaning towards the Chargers. And basically, uh, at two points right now, if that line does come back a little bit, I, I think there's value on the Chargers. We might we might be talking food bet. Could be. You know, I told you, you know, um, I, I was looking at this bet as, as one of my best bets. And I had it on there, but I took it off just because of the Mike Williams thing and because I'm buying into a lot of what you say about Jacksonville. To me, it's one of those games that, that really could go either way. I think we're going to see a fantastic football game. It will not be a blowout in any way, shape, or form like the first time. No, but uh, I'm surprised you're not uh, tempted to do uh, take Jacksonville on a teaser. I, that's funny you say that because originally, okay, um, I, w I was planning on taking Jacksonville on a teaser when I had them plus one and a half. And that, you know, took me up to, you know, seven and a half. So I, I know you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna, uh, scrutinize me for this. But what I did do as I teased the Chargers, oh, I, no. I, went, I, went, I went over that number. But let me tell you why I did it. I did it because I'm still getting key numbers. Okay, I'm getting them plus five. Okay, so I'm still getting three and four. I really believe this is going to come down to that. So I'm with you. It's, it's not advisable to tease over zero, but again, I, that's how much I like them better than the Jags. I don't want to get, you know why? It was scared me off. You and I were sitting watching the championship game, and, 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 and I, you know, te I teased TCU up, right? And I said, why didn't I tease Georgia down? Because I had talked about that. So now I said, you know, I, I'm, maybe that's influencing me a little bit. I'd rather take the team that I feel is. Is, is better, has 
slightly better quarterback and has more experience. But don't you think? If and I know you like to do the ten point teaser pleasers. You don't. You really think that the Chargers are going to win by double digits? If you if you do your teaser, you're getting you're getting Jacksonville plus twelve. I, I just well, if I go that routine, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have not made made that play. And again, that was my initial thought uh, to do that. And I still may. I still may. And again, yeah. you know, I still may. And uh, so, and you would think I would really be on Jacksonville since the line went the other way. But I guess that something is telling me here that uh, the the Chargers are the better prepared football team again. Maybe I'm putting too much into what I saw with Jacksonville last week because they did not look good for the most part of that game. They played like a team that was playing not to lose. And that's why you went against them. I know. Last last week. But they they managed to escape. See, I look at it differently. Whenever a team plays poorly and gets the win, I think that's a benefit because they're living on house money. They know they shouldn't be. So now they can be a little bit looser. Um, And Justin Herbert, this is going to be his first playoff start, and it's on the road. On the road. You know, and Jacksonville's crowd showed up last week. I will give That's, you credit for that. Yeah, you, I was surprised. Usually not much of a home field no, advantage. No, you, tickets were always available. That's why they always played London games. Yep. They they were raising their hand, we'll give up a home game, because they made more money going to London yep. than having a, a, an actual home game. Quick thought here. Any uh, thought on the total of the Saturday games, either San Francisco, Seattle, or Jacksonville and the Chargers. I like the over in the Jacksonville Chargers. I think this is setting up to be last team with with the ball okay. could win this game. Now, weather is not going to be great in Jacksonville. It's going to be cold. Uh, so you know, check the weather. You know, with that, I'm not sure if we're going to have any rain or, or, or wind. I don't know if you've checked into that uh, as of yet, but uh, I, I think you know, for the most part, when you look at some of these games. I'm leaning towards some unders in, in, in a lot of these games, uh, especially the games on Sunday and Monday. Playoff time, that's usually, you know, they say defense wins championships and teams, you know, have a tendency to come out at the beginning of games. I think that uh, looking at first half unders is, is also a way to go because teams don't want to make that mistake early. You know, yeah. fall behind, and then you know. So, and I always use the analogy: it's like a heavyweight boxing match. They don't ring the bell for round one, and the guys are coming out just yeah. will and haymakers. Right. Okay, you know, you're you're juking around the feel, the and jabbing it, right? Yeah. And you see a lot of that in in the playoff games yeah. too, and especially this year. There's so many rookie quarterbacks making their first start. Mm. The coaches don't want them to make a mistake early right. and have it unravel. Mm. So that's something you know to look at. So definitely in the, the San Francisco-Seattle game, I would be looking at a first half under. All right. And again, weather is going to be a problem. As you know, it's been raining uh, really bad. A lot of storms in Northern California, the San Francisco, the Bay Area, the Sacramento region. A lot of uh, damage uh, and flooding has been going on. And uh, the weather doesn't look like it's going to be um, any different uh, come up for tomorrow. Remember, that's an afternoon game, 1.30 uh, Pacific time. All right, uh, Jay Schrader is in the house, and he is going to join us on the other side. And we will continue to handicap Sunday's game and also Monday's game, taking a good hard look at the opening round of the NFL playoffs. Plus, best bets coming your way at the next hour. John Murray will join us as well, too, at the bottom of the hour, the executive director of Racing Sports here at the Superbook. It's a great day. It's a Friday. It's a football weekend. It's a wild card weekend. It's the opening round of the playoffs. No better place to watch the games than here at the world-famous Superbook non-smoking 4K video wall. You cannot beat that. And, of course, George Clinton, Parliament Funkadelic, performing tomorrow night. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a great weekend here in Las Vegas, specifically here at the Westgate. T.C. Martin Show here on a Football Friday. Don't you dare go anywhere.